If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me any more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Good morning, everyone. Can everybody hear me? Good. Okay, you know, when Jesus made this statement to the apostles, he was getting ready to go to the cross. And in that context, he, he makes two or three statements that are very, very necessary for us to, to grasp and to hold on to. He was telling something to these disciples that only believers can receive. As a matter of fact, he said this, didn't he? He said, the world cannot know what you know. And the world cannot receive the one that you're going to receive. The world does not know me, but you know me. And then he said, I'm going. Um, Shakespeare, in Romeo and Juliet, remember Juliet said, uh, parting is such sweet sorrow. And then she mentioned the fact that she'd see him tomorrow. She's talking to, to Romeo. But when we, when we think about parting and saying goodbye, then it, it develops a loneliness that sort of puts a hole in us, doesn't it, traumatically. We, we don't want to say goodbye. We don't want to feel like we are alone. And Jesus knew that these men were going to experience something psychologically, traumatically, emotionally, that he was trying to assuage and trying to tell them, it will be all right. You won't be alone. I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you alone. Now, why would that be so important? I will not leave you alone. First of all, because I, I think Jesus knows that his people need to feel, not just know, but need to feel that they're not alone. That he and his father will stand with them. As a matter of fact, you know, when he, when he said he's going to leave them, think about it just a minute. He said, I'm going to go to the cross. I won't leave you alone. I'll send you a comforter. I'll make sure you're not alone. I will not leave you alone. I don't want you to feel lonely. Don't want you to feel that way. Now he's just going to be gone for three days. Then he came back. He was with them for 40 days. Then he left again. And 10 days later, the Holy Spirit came. But Jesus knew that there was a necessity to reassure these men that there would be a gap that would be filled, that the Holy Spirit could fill for them that couldn't be filled any other way. He said, I'll, I'll, be, I'll always be with you, but I'm going to have to go for a while. And obviously, when he left the first time, it was devastating to these men. Devastating. They, they got together, they, they, they crowded together, and they waited, and they mourned, and they, they were concerned about it. And they, even when the women came from the grave and said, he's alive, they wouldn't believe it. They, they were overwhelmed by their feeling of loneliness. 
Now, there is a real and tangible fear associated with being left alone. It's there. It's not physical. It's not uh, spiritual as such. It is an actual traumatic overwhelming that I'm alone. And I, it's not a good feeling. I'm by myself. Being isolated from others that we depend upon. Not having someone standing by us, with us, that we can turn around and talk to and see. I know I'm talking to a lot of people that have experienced that to a great degree with those who have left of our loved ones. But that fear of being left alone arises from several different sources. Sometimes it's because we've been abandoned. We have a feeling of abandonment or maybe of rejection. We fell in love with someone and that person rejected us. Or we want someone's friendship and they rejected us. Sometimes it's neglect. People just don't care whether we live or die. That's the way we feel because we feel like we're alone. We're excluded separated, isolated. The feeling of loneliness, of being without apparent support uh, and companionship is often paralyzing. Now, it does not physically kill you being alone and feeling alone, but it can lead to some other problems. It can lead to uh, being ineffective in our relationship with others. It can render us helpless to function with our family, with our friends, even in society. Loneliness can be debilitating, weakening, consuming us until we obsess over it. And uh, it's damaging to a healthy self-image and it can be eventually damaging to your physical well-being because you don't take care of yourself. You're, you're lonely. You're by yourself. Now, Jesus knew this, and he knows it now. He knows that when you're lonely, you need, you need companionship. You need someone to be with you. Matter of fact, when God created heaven and earth, and then he created the animal kingdom, and then he created man, he created one person, Adam. And you know what he said in chapter 2 at verse 18 of Genesis? It is not good that man should be alone. It is not good. Now, I have to look at the life of Jesus. And I have to look at it because he is our, he is our model. He is the one that, that uh, is our shining example. He's the one that's way out ahead. And he's the one that we're following. And we're, I'm talking to people of faith. You have faith in God. We're talking about issues of faith. We're not talking about issues of superstition. We're not talking about issues of psychology. We're talking about issues of faith. Faith in God. And I want you to look at, with me, I want you to look at what Jesus said while he was on earth. Did he have this need to feel that someone was with him? Did he have that? Did he feel that way? Have you ever been in a crowd and felt all alone? Well, sure you have. Loneliness doesn't mean that we're surrounded by people. Loneliness means that we feel we've been abandoned. We feel we've been neglected. We feel we've been 
ostracized. We, we just feel by ourselves, even though we can hear crowds around us and music and noise and so forth, we still feel lonely. We're lonely. How about Jesus? We're comforted to know, as at least I am, that He recognized the importance of having someone stand by Him, not just as apostles, because He knew they were not that dependable. But He knew His Father was with Him. Okay. John 8, verse 16. You'd be surprised how many times He makes this statement. John 8, 16, He said, I am not alone. I am not alone, He said. He didn't say, because you're all with me. He said, I'm not alone. I and the Father that sent me. His Father's with him. John 8, verse 29, he says, The Father's not left me alone. And he's talking to a group of people that believe that they are God's select ones. And they're arguing with him about who he is. And he's saying, he's saying, uh, I, the Father's not left me alone. I do always those things that please Him. So there's some, so there's some points in here that we need to emphasize, and that is that He's saying, I always do the things that please my Father. But I want you to understand something as I drive on, on this, in this lesson. I'm not talking about a simple superstition. I'm not talking about memories of someone. I'm talking about the actual presence of an individual by faith. In you. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, my Father is in me. He's there. He's there. He's not just dreaming about it. He's just not remembering His Father. He's saying, my Father is with me. But I want you to know something else. His Father was in heaven as well. Just like it is today. Just like it is today. In John 14, which we are, we've already been reading here. In John 14, verse 10, before the text that we, we presented. He said, Believe not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. The Father that dwells in me. He does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for their very work's sake. In John 16.32, it says, Behold, behold, the hour comes, and now comes that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. But I am not alone. The Father is with me. Now what a statement that he that could make. And you know what happened? What The lowest point in his life was when he died on the cross, and you know what he said? He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that point, he was, in fact, all alone. Being all alone is damaging to our self-image, damaging to our psyche, it's damaging to our heart. But Jesus was confident during his life he was confident that the Father was with him even though the Father was in heaven. Somehow, the Father was in him and still in heaven. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 at verse 9, he teaches us to pray this way. He said, pray ye, our Father which is in heaven. So Jesus wasn't saying his Father was on this earth. He said, our Father is in heaven. 
But in some way, the Father was in Jesus, even though he was in heaven. On one occasion, he was conversing with his Father in heaven. His Father was in him, but at the same time, he was talking to his Father, and he's acknowledging that his Father is in heaven. John chapter 12, verse 27 says, Father, glorify your name. There came a voice from heaven. So Jesus is talking to him. Where is he? He's in heaven. There came a voice from heaven saying, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Now it's comforting and reassuring to us to know that an individual whom we trust and depend upon will always be standing there with us, isn't it? At your loneliest moment, when you feel like there's nobody else around that cares, it's comforting to know that someone is there that maybe can even put a hand on your shoulder and say, we're in this together, don't worry. You're not all by yourself. With most of us, it, it braces us just enough to make sure that we can know that we can face difficult circumstances by knowing that we are not alone. Now let's examine, first of all, before we go any further, let's examine the method by which the Holy Spirit was going to come to the apostles. Now that's what Jesus said. He said, I'll not leave you alone. I'll send you the Comforter. He will be with you. So the Comforter was coming. Jesus was saying, I don't want you to be alone even in these little gaps of time. I want to make sure that you're you have someone. And I'm going to send the Comforter to you. The Comforter was the Holy Spirit. He, Jesus said He was the way, the truth, and the life. He enters into our lives through the Word. That Basically, that's how God gets into our lives. It's through the Word. Yeah. Jesus is the Word. I'm, he was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word with God. The Word was God. So when we hear the Word, the Holy Spirit is the messenger is the one bringing us that word. And when we open our hearts, the Holy Spirit brings Jesus on the wings of those words into our hearts. But He actually comes. That's the point. When Jesus was here on this earth, His Father was actually in Him and at the same time in heaven. So with us, it's the same thing. Now, I'm talking to people of faith. I'm not talking to the world. The world doesn't understand this. And the world doesn't get it. And the world doesn't know it. And the world doesn't feel it. But you do. And you can. When you open your heart to the Word of God, and let the Comforter bring Jesus into your life. He brings Him in. In John 14, verse 20, Jesus said, At that day you will know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, the mechanics of it are pretty simple. The Word of God, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, is living and active. It divides even of the sunder, uh, dividing asunder the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the Holy Spirit is alive. That's what that word quick means. The Holy Spirit is alive. The words are alive. So Paul says it this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, at verse 9, he says, As it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. But God has revealed them unto us by His Spirit. So the only way I know that God loves me is because the Holy Spirit has revealed it by His Word. 
He said, For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. What man knows the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now Paul said, Now we have received, that not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual words. Now, the presence of Jesus in our heart comes about through the Word. The Holy Spirit brings the Word into our hearts. But understand this, that He is actually there. And it's not just a memory of Jesus that brings Him into your heart. There is a sense that you should have of realization that Jesus is in your life. He's there. The Holy Spirit opened your heart through the Word. You know, you found out about Jesus. The Holy Spirit opened your heart. Jesus comes in. He, yes, He's in heaven, just like His Father was in heaven while He was still in His Son. So Jesus is in heaven, but He's in your heart as well, as long as, the Bible says, you keep His commandments, you hear His Word, you keep your heart open, He's there. And we can, and we should, be able to sense the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. We walk by faith. It's an issue of faith now. We're talking about faith. We're not talking about just things that happen on this earth. You know, someone says, well, my daddy is always with me. What they're saying is, their daddy who's gone on is there in memory, but he's not actually there. But when Jesus said, I am with you and in you, he's there. He's there. And it's your faith that tells you that. When you lose your faith, you lose contact with Him. Keep your faith. Keep contact. He's there. And as you walk with Him, then you know that He's present with you always. And you're not alone. That's the point. Here we go. This is the point. You are not alone when Jesus is with you. Now, Jesus stands with us, and we know He does, and we can sense His presence. I don't want to use the word feel His presence, because that gets sort of in an ethereal area. But you can sense His presence by virtue of your faith. You can sense His presence, that He's there. You can sense His presence when you face an unknown future. You don't know what the future holds. You know the apostles asked Jesus just before he went back to heaven. They said, will you restore the kingdom again to Israel? Acts chapter 1. They, they want to know what's, what's going to happen. What, what about the future? And Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons the Father's put in his own power. You don't have to know the future. So here we are. We don't know the future, but sometimes... We get fearful of it. Isn't it nice to know that Jesus is standing there and saying, don't worry, don't worry, Mike. Don't worry about the future. I've got it. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry about what you eat. Don't worry about what you put on. Don't worry about these things. I'm with you. You're not by yourself in this. Well, 
In the book of Luke in chapter 12, verse 32, when Jesus was preaching the coming of the kingdom, one of the things that was developing in the minds of the folks that were hearing was that maybe they didn't have a part in this. You know, the the, Pharisees, the publicans and sinners kind of felt like they were left out, that they were only the elite that was going to take part in the kingdom. And Jesus had already been talking about the fact that uh, it wasn't just the elite, but those who depended upon and trusted in Jesus were going to be part of the kingdom. But they were worried about it. They were the, the publicans and sinners were worried. Obviously they were. What part do we have? And you know what Jesus told them? He said, Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. He said, Don't worry about it. You're going to be part of it. You're going to, you're going to have it. Jesus stands with us when we suffer a great loss. When someone leaves and says goodbye and for the last time, we know they're gone. In the middle of the night, husband or wife may be laying in bed to reach over and touch the bed where the mate used to be. They're gone. Loneliness begins to overwhelm, begins to shadow and and a fog sets in in our lives. But Jesus is there. He's there. He knows that grief is threatening to overwhelm us. Grief is threatening to consume us. I, I remember, when I think about that, I think of this. And a person of faith understands that Jesus is there, and He's standing there, and He's with us. But I remember that there were two sisters had a brother, and this boy died. His name was Lazarus. Martha and Mary lost Lazarus. John chapter 11 gives us the record of it. And when Jesus finally came to the home of Martha and Mary, uh, Martha confronted him. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. He said, if you, she said, you had just been here. If you were just standing with me. I think more than anything else, she just thought, if you were just there, if I just had someone with me, just someone with me, all these bad things wouldn't have happened. But he did die. And he rose again. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of the life. He said, uh, though he were dead, he that believes in me, though he did, yet shall he live. But the overwhelming grief that these sisters were enduring Jesus was there with them at that time and reassuring them that they could get through this. There are lonely nights and lonely days that we spend seeking solace and sometimes we can't find it. But Jesus is there and He's there for that. Now, I'm, I'm just briefly going through this. I'm not going to tell you. I'll tell you how in just a minute. He's with us during times of great stress. Once we get stressed out, uh, the apostles felt that uh, he had left them. Sometimes we get into a dangerous situation and we, we wonder, are we going to be able to get through this? You know, there, there's a text found for us in Matthew chapter 8, beginning verse 23, where Jesus was on a ship, a little ship with, with the apostles, and they were in a storm and Jesus was asleep. He went down below and went to sleep. They said, Master, don't you care that we perish? 
You know, he was with them. He was with them, and he did bring them through that storm. So we get into our storms all the time, storms of life, and they surround us, and they engulf us, and yet we need to know someone is there. It's always nice, and I'll, again, I'll get into it in a little bit, this is how it works. But it's always nice if someone is there, and we know they're there, and we know that we're not by ourselves. We're not alone. That's what Jesus said. I will not leave you alone. He strengthens us during times of persecution. Very few of us are going to be persecuted like they were in the early New Testament times. Very very few. I'm not going to be strung up and hanged or anything else because of my faith in Jesus Christ. And you're not either. But you may feel some persecution from family or friends. Some isolation, some rejection. Some abandonment, you may feel that. But Jesus is there with us when that happens. And he said, uh, he said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, he said, Who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? Let, let, me, let me back up just a minute on this one. Remember a fellow by the name of Elijah, 1 Kings 19, a prophet. And the, the uh, false prophets, Jezebel had all of her false prophets lined up. And they had a contest on Mount Carmel. And there they, there they decided whether or not God was God or whether Baal was God. And Elijah prevailed. But after he prevailed, he, he was overwhelmed by the fact that Jezebel sent individuals out or sent an army out to take his life. And so he fled. He had to flee. And uh, when he fled, he, he uh, finally ended up in a little cave. And God, God asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he, you know what Elijah said? He said, I'm the only one that cares anything about you. He said, I'm the only one left. I'm all alone. That's actually what he said. I'm by myself. Nobody else cares. I'm alone. No, he wasn't, was he? God said, you know, I've reserved for myself 9,000 men that have not bowed the nail, need a bail. He said, you're not alone. You think you are, but you're not. But how could Elijah say that when God was with him? Human failing, perhaps. But the point is, in persecution, sometimes we feel like we're standing all by ourselves. Nobody else knows how I feel. I took my stand for the Lord. I stood against wickedness and profanity and obscenity and I've, I'm not going to be a part of that and my family doesn't care about that and my friends don't care about that and my neighbors don't care about that but I'm all alone. We better be careful. We're probably not all alone. But Peter said, Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Set Him apart. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience, that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it's better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Okay. And He comforts us during the trials of our faith. Your faith is going to be tested. You are going to be tested. You're going to be at some time in your life, maybe all the time in your life, you're going to be tested. Do I actually believe 
the words of God. Is there actually a heaven? Did Jesus actually come to this earth? Is this really what I should be doing? So your, your faith is going to be tested. Paul said it there. Peter said it this way, not Paul. Peter said, you're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He said, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. Yet remember that Jesus is with us. Our faith tells us that God will provide the strength and the assurance of His presence when we feel that we are languishing in loneliness. He's there for the believer, just the believer. That's who He's there for. You, you can't apply this to your neighbor that doesn't know anything about Jesus. He is there for the believer. For those who obey His commandments, He's there. And He's there by faith. You can reach out and tap into that power and not be lonely. Now, let's get down to the practicality of it. How, Lord, do you keep me from being lonely? How do you do it? First of all, it's in the Word. But sometimes I don't feel like reading my Bible. Sometimes I get so heartsick, I can't look at the Bible. I just can't read it. And it doesn't, it doesn't provide the power that I need to get through the night, to get through the lonely days, to get through the lonely times. It just, it's just not there. Well, the next, the next source of power is through his family of believers. You know what? God works in his people. In his people. You're here today with people who love you and who are concerned about you and want you to know that they're there for you. You don't have to be lonely. Sometimes it's just an encouraging word from a brother or sister in Christ. On the telephone, a card that's sent. Someone that says, hey, I'm here for you. I will be here for you. I will help you every way I can because I love you. You're my brother. You're my sister. You are part of me. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 3.13 says, Exhort one another daily. Why should I? Because sometimes people can, believers can, be overwhelmed by loneliness. They certainly can. So we exhort one another. We reach out. We touch one another. You know who's touching you? Jesus. In that individual. Reaching out and touching you. Now, those are the the, the, uh, two ways. Actually, He touches us through His Spirit as well. This, this is a tough one. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible talks about the Spirit searching our hearts 
knowing what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes the Spirit speaks through us to God. He translates what we're trying to say to God. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not very good at talking. <laughs> you may have... I can preach, but I can't... I, I'm not a good conversationalist. I don't know why. A lot of men aren't. A lot of women like to talk and are good conversationalists. I, <laughs> well, I didn't mean that negatively. <laughs> I like to hear what women have to say. But sometimes it's tougher for a man, for some reason, to talk than it is for a woman. So in prayer, sometimes I find myself, I don't have all that much to say. I just don't know. I know what I want, and I know what I feel, but how to say it. But you know what? I know that God knows what I feel because the Holy Spirit is helping me along. So I don't have to feel all alone when I'm praying to God. But let, let, me, let me introduce one final point. How do I know, how, how can I not feel lonely? By reading the Word, by hearing brother, sister in Christ speaking to me, putting a hand on my shoulder, by the Holy Spirit helping me in prayer. Now I'm going to tell you something that, that I believe, and I, I think it's, I think you'll believe it too, that God can help your loneliness out of the clear blue sky. Something is just going to happen. Something is going to happen. I don't know what. Something will happen. When you're, when you, when you're suffering in loneliness, God will help you. It may be the smile of a small child that opens the sky for you. It may be the voice of someone long ago, a friend long ago, that calls and says, I'm just thinking about you. It may be any number of things. It may be a good circumstance that happens in your life somehow that you were never expecting that it happens. Out of the clear blue, God will make sure that you're not lonely. It will happen. It will happen. Jesus does not want you to be lonely. He does not want you to feel heart sick. He does not want you to feel abandoned. He does not want you to feel by yourself all alone. He does not want that. Jesus did not want that. He didn't want that even for a little space of time. The three days he was gone, he didn't want them to be alone. He doesn't want us to be alone at all at any time. He doesn't want to feel want us to feel that way. He will. You say, well, what's he going to do, preacher? You know what? I don't have any idea. I don't know what he's going to do. But he will do something. He will do something to assuage your loneliness. It will happen. It will happen. God help you. Stay. Keep your faith in God. Look for the relief of your loneliness. Look for it. It will come. He will care for you. God loves you.